Good morning, everyone. Are you ready to hear a word that will challenge you, that will encourage you, and that will help you take the next step to get to the place where God wants you? If that's you, would you just simply hold your hands out in front of you? Heavenly Father, in the most excellent name of Jesus, we come to you this morning, and we know that we come to a high priest that's touched by the things that touch us. We ask you, my Father, to let our ears be open to hear what you would speak to us by your Spirit. And Father, help us, help us to be more than just hearers of your word. Cause us to become doers of your word. So symbolically this morning, we hold out our hands and we say, we are hungry, Lord. Feed us with the truth from your word. We are thirsty, Lord. Let us drink of your spirit today. Father, cause our lives to be transformed because only you can do that. For it is in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Well, most of you, much like myself, you grew up watching movies. Some of my earliest childhood memories are watching movies with my dad. Now, being a girl that's a little bit on the tomboy side, watching movies with my dad was one of the most fun events of my week. But the kind of movies that we watched kind of focused my attention in a direction different from that of, I guess, some of the romance movies. Because you see, I grew up watching the Green Berets and Bridge Over the River Kwai. And so some of you, yes. And then when I got married to my husband, Stuart Williams, I grew up, or we developed in our marriage, I started understanding that if the movie did not have a horse, a dog, and John Wayne in it, that it did not qualify as a good movie. <laughs> and Maureen O'Hara, there we go. Most of us have grown up watching movies. We've seen all kinds of movies. But in most movies, westerns, contemporary espionage movies, war movies, even science fiction movies, typically the good guys are on the run from their enemies. They're outnumbered, they're outgunned. Food and water are running out or in short supply. Ammunition is almost gone. The transportation is giving out. The group or the individual, their morale is beginning to wane. Exhaustion sitting in. And typically, someone in the group is either wounded, sick, or about to have a baby. And the enemy just will not stop coming. This theme is timeless. Most dramas carry this general idea as a major plot. We know that most movies are at best embellished truth and much of the time they're just simply fiction created solely for entertainment. But this plot, this idea of a person or group being assaulted or pursued by an enemy, it's timeless because it's an event common to our own human existence. Many, if not every person in the sanctuary with me this morning or listening through satellite stream, you know what this is like. You've had seasons of being pursued or attacked by enemies. At first glance, the enemies are visible. They're people, bills you can't pay, written attacks and social media, bullying, and even natural disasters. However, make no mistake about it. The real power or source behind these attacks is not visible. It's rather invisible. Paul addresses this invisible power in both Corinthians and Ephesians when he writes, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. 
Our true enemies are not flesh and blood, but they're principalities, powers, spiritual rulers of wickedness. And just like the people in those movies, we're no match for the power or the enemy that's after us. In the movie, the goal of those being pursued is to get to a place of safety, a fort, a stronghold, a safe house, a high tower, a base or a refuge. At this destination, there's going to be reinforcement. There's going to be food, water, supplies, medical help, ammunition, protection, and finally rest. In the heart of every human being, there's a need to find that refuge. There's a need to find that safe place, that base, that fort, where we know that we can close our eyes and sleep without fear of the enemy attacking in the middle of the night. If I go back to the movie reference, often there's going to be a plot twist in these movies. And when the people arrive at their destination, they're going to find that the fort is insufficient to protect them. That the pursuing enemy is greater than even that which the fort can provide. Compromised is oftentimes the state of the fort, or abandoned, or at worst destroyed. And the people looking for this place of protection are often left more vulnerable and open to attacks than ever before. I believe that when the sons of Korah wrote Psalm 46, they were recalling a time when Israel had run from her enemies and had arrived at a safe place, a refuge or a fort, only to find that they had put their trust in something that was compromised or unable to protect them. And when all things failed, when there was no human help to be found, that's when Israel turned her gaze focused her trust and her hope in the only one that can really help, the only enduring refuge. They turned to God. And from that point of experience, I believe the sons of Korah wrote Psalm 46. Let's read this together, the first three verses. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear Though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride, Selah. God is our refuge. Bethesda, as I speak to you this morning, I know that there are people in this room right now, people listening via satellite right now, I know that you're under attack. I know that you're under attack from all kinds of things. Some of you physical sickness. Some of you bills that you can't pay. Some of you are under attack from depression, anxiety. Some of you are being bullied. Some of you are being the victims of hateful mean words and slanderous insults. You're being attacked by an enemy that's bigger than you are, louder than you are, and your strength is giving out. If that's you this morning, this message is for you. What are we needing protection from? What fort do we need to go to for safety? What is it exactly that's happening that would cause us to even seek protection? The psalmists say, though the earth be removed, even though your foundation is compromised, even though everything around you is unstable for this moment, that there's no tangible place for you to build hope, faith, or trust. I don't know about you this morning, but there have been moments in my life where my very foundation has been shaken, 
when my dad died, when my mom died, when things happened that were unexpected and unplanned, when I got assaulted from out of nowhere and it seemed like my very foundation was going to slip out and break from beneath my feet. We've all had those moments. When I think about foundation shaking, I'm reminded in the book of Acts when Paul and Silas are in prison and they begin to praise God at the midnight hour. These men, much like you and I, they didn't do anything to deserve the place that they were in. They were just declaring the gospel. They were proclaiming that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They were casting out devils and declaring that the kingdom of God had come. And they got thrown in prison. But instead of whining and complaining and moaning and grumbling, these men decided at midnight to begin to praise the Lord. And as they began to praise the Lord, the ground beneath their feet began to shake. And the shaking did nothing but set them free. There are some of you in here this morning, the ground beneath your feet is shaking. If you will look up, you will realize that it's not your foundation that's being messed with. It's your chains that are being loosed. God is my refuge. A very present help in time of trouble. And though the earth should be removed from beneath my feet, I am held in the everlasting hands. I don't have to fear what shakes around me, and neither do you. Mountains slip into the sea. Mountains figuratively speak of two things in the Old Testament, government and strength. Governments and earthly powers and authority, they do not have the answers nor the solutions. That is both Republican and Democratic powers. They do not have the ultimate powers nor the ultimate solutions. Those are only found in Jesus. There is nothing, there is no lasting help that comes from earthly powers. I'm reminded at this point when Hagar has to leave the camp of Abraham. Abraham's a wealthy man, but all he can give her is a wineskin of water and a loaf of bread. It's not until she meets the God who sees her that her needs were going to be met in a permanent sort of way. Though the earth be removed and though the mountains slip into the sea, though the waters roar. The waters throughout the Old Testament speak to us of chaos, confusion, verbal assaults, confusion and chaos. It's all around us. Fear and intimidation seeks to control our mind. Confusion seeks to govern and dictate our directions. And our strength is not enough. Reason and soundness of mind become elusive and we just can't think straight because of all the voices and confusion around us. Can I tell you, it's not the voices around you that you need to listen to. It's the small, still voice of the living God that resides within you. That's the voice you need to listen to. When you don't know which way to go, when you don't know what direction you should take, it's the voice of the Lord that you should turn your ear toward and not the voices around you. The voices around you will come and go, ebb and flow, but it's the voice of the Lord, the voice of his spirit within you that will tell you what step to take next. Though the mountains shake, natural human strength can fail. You cannot find the answers or the solutions within yourself. Your strength is not enough to see you through. I'm reminded at this point of Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, where Isaiah writes, In the year that King Uzziah died, 
The word Uzziah comes from the Hebrew word ooze, which means natural, physical strength. In the year that my strength failed me, in the year that I didn't have enough of what it took to get me through, in the year that everyone else let me down, in the year that my dreams and my ideas came crashing down at my feet, in the year that my strength failed, and I hope we can say what Isaiah said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. It's in moments like this, moments like these, that we can either choose to look at the problem We can choose to look at the trouble and the strength of the enemy or we can choose to look at the God who is our refuge and find our strength in him. So what is a refuge? God is my refuge. Not God is going to be my refuge. Not God might be my refuge. Not God sometimes acts as a refuge. God is my refuge. He is an ever-present help in time of trouble. What is a refuge? A refuge is a safe place, a shelter. It's a fortified place, a protected place, a place where there's provision, rest, and reinforcement, a place where you can eat and sleep and recuperate. It's a place where no hunting is allowed. Church, did you hear me? It's a place where no hunting is allowed. When you run to God as your refuge, the enemy cannot chase you there because there's no hunting allowed when you find your refuge in the everlasting arms of a holy God. The Bible declares that our refuge is found in the following. Psalm 16 says some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but we'll trust in the name of the Lord our God. Our refuge is in the name of Jesus. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. And at the name of Jesus, every knee has to bow and every tongue has to declare to the glory of God the Father that Jesus Christ is Lord. Our shelter is the name of Jesus. Psalm 91 declares that our shelter, that our refuge is in the shadow of the Almighty. We abide in His shadow. He collects us like a mother hen would collect her chickens, and he surrounds us with himself. Another psalm says, as the the mountains are all around Jerusalem, so God is all around his people. Church, he's not maybe going to be your refuge. This is what he does for us. This is who he is for us. We know that the word of the Lord is our refuge. We know that from Revelation chapter 12, That the wilderness can become a refuge. Sometimes God will put us in a place that might seem difficult for the moment, but it is a refuge for us because he is there and he is the one who's put us there. His presence is a refuge. Now, while I've listed all these things off, we also know that we get to choose our refuge. Now, you can know what refuge that you have chosen by simply asking yourself the question, when things get bad, when the enemy presses in on me, when the ground begins to shake, when the mountains slip into the sea, when the waters roar, and when the mountains shake, where or what do I go to? Now, I'm not trying to meddle, but let me just give you a list. Some of the things that we go to, food, alcohol, Netflix, I'm really meddling now, 
relationships, drugs. We go to all kinds of crazy things for our refuge. And the truth of the matter is, none of them can help us. Some of us even go to our own stubborn will and determination, thinking that we can think our way out of this. If you just give me a minute, I can come up with a plan or an idea that can get us out of this. Whatever you turn to, whatever or whoever you look to in times of trouble, that's your refuge. There's only one legitimate refuge, and of course that's the name and the presence of the Lord. This week when I was praying over this message and this passage, this idea dropped in my heart. When you run to anything or anyone other than the Lord as your refuge, you do what I call the Unsalm 46. And it's going to read like this. This is when you do not go to God. The Almighty Creator God is not the place where I put my trust. He's not the one that I turn to for refuge. I've placed my sense of well-being in other people, in things. I am weak, I am vulnerable, and I'm exposed. My willpower and ability to find my own solution is failing. I'm alone, and there's no one to comfort me, walk alongside of me, and strengthen me. I'm in a tight spot, and my enemies are pressing in on me, and I'm afraid. Everything that I believed in, everything that I've trusted in is crumbling. Those I once looked to for help are in need of help themselves. There are voices all around me, angry voices, accusing voices, conflicting voices, and I am defeated and filled with anxiety. My strength, what little I have left is shaking. It's over for me, and I have no choice but to surrender to an enemy who has no mercy. When you run to anything or anyone other than the Lord, that becomes your psalm. And church, for far too long, that's what we've done. And we wonder why we feel weak. We wonder why we feel stressed and full of anxiety and panic. We wonder why victory is always so elusive where we're concerned. It's because we've been running to the wrong refuge. It's because we put our hope and our trust in that which cannot support us. We sang it this morning, my help comes from the Lord. I want to help people. I love to help people. But ultimately, the help that they need can't come from me. It has to come from the Lord. The wrong refuge will ultimately, inevitably cause destruction. When you put your hope or your trust in something or someone other than the Lord, it will cause first and foremost separation. Because in order to put your trust in something other than the Lord, you have to turn away from the Lord and turn toward something else. This, in very simple terms, is called idolatry. It's when you look to something or someone else as your source. When you place your trust in something or someone else to give you what only God can provide for you. And it separates you from God. It drives a wedge between you and the relationship with God. Maybe some of you are sitting in here this morning and you're saying, I just don't hear God speak to me anymore. My life is going from bad to worse. 
I can't begin to understand what's happening all around me. It's because perhaps you have turned to something or someone other than the Lord as your refuge. It is perhaps because you have placed your trust in someone other than God Almighty. Our God is a jealous God and he will share us with no one. Our affection belongs to him. Our commitment and our allegiance belongs to him alone. When we put our trust, when we begin to look to something or someone else as our refuge, it causes a separation between us and God. It also causes sickness of our soul and our heart. False refuges will never deliver what they've promised. You talk to someone who's been disappointed, who's been let down, it is typically because they have had unrealistic expectations in what someone or something could do for them and they were looking to something or someone other than the Lord and it makes their heart sick. How many people are sitting outside of church this morning? They know the Lord. At one time they walked with the Lord, but now they want nothing to do with Him. They want nothing to do with the church because they set their affections on the wrong thing and they got disappointed. There is only one who does not disappoint, and that is the Lord Himself. People, even the best of people, will disappoint you. Churches, even the best of churches, will disappoint you. But the Lord will not disappoint you. When you put your trust, your faith, your confidence in Him, and you seek Him as your refuge, He will never let you down. Because He is the almighty, sovereign, everlasting God. When you run to the right refuge, you'll find that you'll be in His presence. And in his presence, you'll find everything that your heart longs for. In his presence, you find power. The Lord is my refuge and my strength. How many of you need some power? Power to live the way God wants you to live. Power to look in the face of people who do not like you and love them anyways. Power to stand above temptation. Power to walk through the daily stuff of life. It is only the God that we serve that empowers his people. It is only Jesus Christ who seeks to give power to those who follow him. All other gods, all false gods, seek to take power from the people who follow them. It is in Jesus Christ that we find power. Jesus even said to his disciples, do not leave Jerusalem until you receive power. God wants to empower the people that are following him. He doesn't want to give us a task and then not give us the power to follow through with that task. When you find him as your refuge, you find power. Power to stand strong, power to stand still, power to speak up, and power to be quiet, power to follow him. In his presence, you find his power. Not the power that comes from within you, not the power that comes from another person or an institution, but a never-ending power that comes from the eternal God. A power that will transform you. A power that will make you into the man or the woman that God's destined you to be. When you find yourself in him as your refuge, you find power. Not only do you find power, you find help 
you find provision. That word help is a beautiful Hebrew word. It's ezer. In the book of Genesis, God said, man needs help. I'm going to create for him an ezer or an ezer kenido. And he made woman. A help is someone that is up to, capable of. Someone who can get you out of your ruts. Someone who can meet the need that you have at that moment. God is the help of Israel. The spirit of the living God is the help and the comforter of the people of God. You are not without help today. You have an easer. You have a helper, the Holy Spirit. You have power. You have help. You have provision. God provides you with bread from heaven. He provides you with water from a well that will not run dry. He is a God of provision. He doesn't send you out to do a task and then fail to provide provide for you to complete or finish that task. He is a God of provision. He gives power. He gives provision. He gives peace. A peace that passes all understanding. A peace that comes from above. The world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. The peace that abides within those who know him as their refuge. It is a peace that is not dependent on outward circumstances and situations. Let the waters roar. Let the mountains slip into the sea. Let the earth shake beneath my feet. I am at peace because the peace speaker reigns inside of me. Church, if we would walk in this peace, this provision, and this power, it would change us. It would cause people to look at us and ask for a reason for that hope that lives within us. Anybody can sling insults. It takes a man or a woman of God to say, my help comes from the Lord. Anyone can talk about conspiracy theories and how there's asteroids headed for Earth and that we're all going to crash into the sun someday. Anyone can talk about that and get upset, but our cry has to be this, my help comes from the Lord. And I'm held in the palm of his hand and the enemy cannot touch us. This morning, driving in, I asked the Lord, Father, help me. Give me a word that will stir up and encourage the hearts of your people this morning. This is what the Lord dropped in my heart. So many times we wait to see victory before we shout victory. But he's asking us to shout victory before we feel victory. To shout victory before we see victory. Not because of us, but because we know who our refuge is. Because you see, victory's not an event. Victory has a name, and it's Jesus. Our refuge has a name, and it's Jesus. When you're being pursued by the enemy, Deuteronomy 33, 27 speaks to us. The eternal God is a refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms and he drove out the enemy from before you are you being chased by an enemy this morning maybe it's a visible enemy that's being fueled by an invisible enemy 
Maybe it's an unseen enemy, but are you being chased by an enemy this morning? Then you need to remember that the eternal God is a refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms, and he drives the enemy out from before you. We can shout victory even when we don't see it because we know who we belong to. We know whose we are. I know that oftentimes when we are being squeezed and pressed by the enemy, sleep becomes elusive. And we can't sleep because the anxiety and the panic stirs within our hearts and we just can't calm down. So when you can't sleep, find your refuge in Jesus. Because Psalm 121 verse 4 says, He who watches over you, he never sleeps and he never slumbers. You can sleep peacefully tonight, Bethesda, because there's a God that watches out for you and he never sleeps nor slumbers. He watches out for you. When the waters of slander and mean words roar. You ever had slander and mean words roar in your direction? Bullying words, intimidating words. Psalm 40 verse 2 says, God will shut them up and deliver my soul from their words. When your foundation is shaking and you feel unstable, Psalm 40 verse 2 says, He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. You guys remember the story in the book of Exodus. Moses is wanting to see the glory of God, but he knows that in seeing the glory of God, it might destroy his physical life. But God said to him, there's a place beside me. And he opened up a cleft in the rock so that Moses could get in it, and God covered him there and passed over him. Now, that was for the glory of God, but I want you to know that same rock, Christ Jesus, has a place for you and for me. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, there's a safe place I can go until it passes over. There's a safe place that I can go. There's a safe place that I can be where the enemy cannot touch me. I made a reference in Revelation chapter 12 about the woman who's had the baby, and the enemy is seeking to destroy her. And it says that God sent her into the wilderness, and there the enemy could not get to her. Church, God puts us in a place where the enemy can't get to us. It must have been 22 to 25 years ago. I had just gotten, it was a new car to me, but I had just gotten a new car, and I was driving home, and we had one of those freak Texas hailstorms. It wasn't just pea-sized nor dime-sized hail. It was somewhere between the size of a golf ball and the size of a tennis ball. No embellishment, no exaggeration. I pulled up into the driveway of where I lived and I could hear glass breaking as these great balls of hail came down with great speed and ferociousness. And I was sitting in my car and I'm thinking at any minute one of these great balls of hell is going to come crashing through my car and I'm going to receive bodily injury. And I thought to myself, now would be a really good time to get into the floorboard of your car. 
And so I got into the floorboard of my car, and I could hear the hail just bouncing and pounding off my car, and I could still hear glass breaking all around me. And I remember in that moment, with all of that taking place outside of me, I began to pray, and this peace just began to stir up within me. And I sat there, and I knew that I was going to be okay. And I thought, this feeling is not abnormal. This is not a unique. I have felt this way before. Church, it's the same for us. When the enemy comes in with taunts and jeers and pursuits, there's a place in Jesus, and he can do his worst, and we're going to be okay because God is our refuge and a very present help in time of trouble. My refuge has a name, and it's Jesus. Victory has a name, and it's Jesus. My safe place has a name, and it's Jesus. It is in his presence. It is in his power. It is in his provision and his protection that storms can come and storms can go, and they'll come back again, and they'll go again. But I can remain firm and stable because God is my refuge. This morning, if you would just acknowledge by standing that you need for Jesus to be your refuge, that you need to find your refuge in him, once again, would you just stand with me this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Father, the first thing we want to do is repent. Repent for trusting anything or anyone as our refuge except for you. Father, we ask you to cleanse our hearts. Make us that man, that woman of your presence because we found our refuge in you. We submit our hearts to you, Lord God. And we ask you to hide us behind the cross. Be our refuge this morning, Lord God. Not just for this moment, but teach us how to live in you as our refuge. That place where no hunting is allowed. Father, what a great God you are. That you don't just give us a safe place that you become our safe place. Father, you know the heart, the life, the struggle of every son and daughter in this place this morning. We are asking you in the most excellent name of Jesus. You would let that peace that passes all understanding be theirs in Christ Jesus. That as they find you as their refuge, that they would know that peace, they would know that provision, that help, And they would know the power that can only come through your Holy Spirit. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.